we're going to open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just love you, God. I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the Nassus, God. I thank you for Nikki and for Matt, God. I thank you for this ministry, God, that you are birthing something beautiful out of, God. I just thank you for Kat. God, I thank you for the ministry and the leadership that you have in her. I pray that you continue to use her exceedingly, abundantly, more than she could ever ask for or even imagine, God. And even the people who are sitting in the congregation, God, you have a call on their lives. Father God, I pray that they see the vision that you have for them, God and that you will use them in a mighty and a miraculous way, God. And although we all are not a Deborah, <laughs> I know that there is a leader in each of us in our home, in our community, on our work, at our workplace, and in our schools. So God, I pray for the heart of David. I pray to be bold and courageous like Joshua, God. I pray, 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 God, to be fearless like Peter and like David, Lord. I just need for you to give me a holy boldness I pray that I decrease God. I pray that I decrease God. I pray that I decrease. I have studied, but I pray for your Holy Spirit to have its way. So it is in your son Jesus' name, I give you all honor, glory, and praise. Amen. 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 You all good? We had our family matter. We good now? All right, let's get into this word. All right, so I use my Bible and my notes but what I want to say to you all is I have what I like to call a Deborah complex. And you should too. Now let me break it down to you. Deborah lived during a time that it was a male-dominated society, yet she was relevant. One of the things that made Deborah so special is not just because she was a leader, and she was a prophet, and she was a judge, but it was actually her prophetic voice, her prophetic breath that amazed the people. And so when you think about what you do, and if it matters, just know that nobody can do what you do like you do. So people need you, they need your ministry, they need your life, they need your encouragement. So don't sit behind the sidelines or on the sidelines thinking Pastor Matt will do it, Kat will do it, somebody else will do it, because I'm going to challenge you that you have a call on your life as well. And so when I think about Deborah and her being relevant and me having a Deborah complex, it wasn't until when I left my job last year and became an entrepreneur that I learned all the responsibilities of a leader. Right, Matt? So literally, you're having to do all the creating. You create the product, you publish it, you market it, you promote it, but everything is up to you. So when I thought about Deborah, and she had a platform, and we're gonna talk about that platform in a minute, in today's society, what is our platform if we want to get our message out, or our product out? What is it? Say it louder. Social media. So I'm going to be honest with you. Being someone who is really introverted, like me standing up here talking to you today is really a God-given gift. Is God really using me? And although even in my job, I had to speak in front of people all the time, what I would tell you is I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes. So this is also a witness to you to show you 
that God can use you in spite of you, in spite of your insecurities, in spite of your weaknesses, God can still use you. So I got to do this whole social media thing, right? At my job, I had to turn clients away. I worked for a for-profit company. Clients would have to come to me to request services. I was so booked all the time, I had to turn them away. So I come from that world, and then I transition into being my own boss that I would not trade. I believe God has a greater assignment for me. I believe that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But even with that, it can be uncomfortable at times. And so now, I go from turning people away, I gotta promote my own book, I got to promote my own podcast. I got to ask for clients to coach and speak, etc. This is scary as a cuss word to me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I believe in what God has called me to do. You didn't call me out of 25 years in corporate America, lose a lucrative income and healthcare benefits for you to be scared and not want to promote what you believe he has birthed inside of you. So, I do it right, but I'm gonna tell you a day that was really funny. So I get a Twitter alert. So social media, I, I admit, I'm not very active, I don't have a strong presence, and if I'm being completely honest, I really only want to go out there when I have to publish. But because I'm out there, and if I have the audacity to want you to support me, then I feel like I should support you. So I scroll and I look at stuff, right? Well, I like Twitter for news. I only have like five followers, maybe less than that now, maybe they're tired of seeing my videos, but I have about five followers on Twitter. But I won't let go of the account, how embarrassing it may be, because I like the news. So I get a Twitter alert. And I recognized one of the names in the headline, so I clicked on it. And when I went to go read the, the stream of messages, after I finished seeing all the drama and the right margin, it gave me two of the names that was in the stream of messages and said, follow them because they're relevant. In that moment, I said, ouch, I'm not relevant. In that moment, I knew that although I wasn't relevant, what I do still matters. And so when you think about someone who matters, they're somewhat of importance, they have significance, and they're influential. That's how Webster defines matter. If someone is relevant, it says, it's appropriate to the current times period or circumstances of contemporary interest. Hmm. So to matter sounds very substantial to me. Sounds like maybe there can be some consistency over a period of time. But when I read relevant, I thought, hmm, sounds kind of fleeting. Sounds like you're only popular for a particular season. What I would tell you is if you believe that God has an assignment for you, at some point you want to be relevant. Why? Because relevant people have large impact. Relevant people really get that message out, right? So if man is a pastor and he believes in the word of God and what he's preaching, why wouldn't he want to reach the masses? If I have a product that I believe God has birthed in me to share with the world, why wouldn't I want to be relevant? But what I would tell you is, everybody who is relevant does not do work that matters.
Let me say that again. Everybody who's relevant, who have a large following, whose pews are filled from side to side and back to back, are not doing work that matters. Do you hear me, Matt? So what I'm going to say is if you are Deborah, you are relevant and, you're and you matter, but I'm not there yet, are you? I'm not there yet, but if I had to choose, and this is all seriousness, if I had to choose, I would want to matter before I would want to be relevant. So even if you only speak to the one, I joke all the time, the same people, two people, I reach out and they'll give me feedback on the podcast and I'll be like, oh, thank you. I love my two supporters, this is so nice, but I'm serious. That if anybody wants to hear anything that I have to say, it matters. And even though you may not reach the masses, what I would tell you is in a society that is full of lies, manipulation, deceit, and betrayal, and they are being deceived by the larger population, God needs you and you and you and you. He needs your voice. He needs your message. Don't let the enemy silence you and tell you that your contributions don't matter because you're needed. But the reason why this message is important today is because so many of us, not even outsiders, we allow the enemy to tell us lies. We allow the enemy to tell us we're insignificant. We allow the enemy to tell us, me teaching every day doesn't matter. Me being an artist doesn't matter. Me being a stay-at-home mom doesn't matter. But what I would tell you is that stay-at-home mom is raising beautiful children to put out into the world to be productive citizens. That's what I'll tell you. Susan, when I look at your art, I see the beauty of the world. Even outside of God's beauty, it matters. And when you're preaching that and cat, people are listening and you have substance and you have something to say. But what I'll tell you this morning, if I had to put a title on today's message, you may not be relevant, but you do matter. So what I created was five no's that I use when I feel insignificant and I feel like I don't matter. So you can get your Bibles out. We're going to go to Judges. I'm going to go back and forth between message translation and NIV translation. And we're going to use Deborah as an example. And so if you go to Judges 4, 4 through 5, I'm going to read the message translation, and I'm going to give you the first no. The first no is know who you are. Deborah was a prophet, the wife of Lepidoth. She was a judge over Israel at that time. She was a leader, a prophetess, and a judge. Why is it that her attributes matter? Well. I don't want you to get stuck on titles or your profession. You want to know why? If you are stuck to being a VP, if you are stuck to being an all-star athlete, if you are stuck to being a famous musician, if you ever lose that position or you leave that position, your identity will be wrapped up in that. 
I remember I used to go to the fitness center of my former, former employer and love the trainers I used to work with. And one of the guys was about 23 years old, in great shape, wonderful motivator, but he got an injury. And after that injury, he went into depression. And he said, now that I don't have sports anymore and I can't train like I used to train, life no longer has meaning. So if you want to know why it's important to know who you are, is you need to be able to know if you're an encourager, you can encourage if you're a teacher or a VP, it don't matter. If, if you are dedicated, you can be dedicated here at church. You don't have to be dedicated at a mega church. If, if you are compassionate, you don't have to be a social worker. You can be compassionate and call and check on people. So know who you are outside of your title or profession. So what was Deborah? She was a prophet, she was a, she was a judge, and she was a leader. But here's the, here's the thing about Deborah. She was not speaking on her own accord. Because what does a prophet do? A prophet listens to the word of God, and then they speak out what they hear God saying. Out of the four judges, she was the only prophet. There were three male judges before Deborah. And she was the only prophet out of the four. So it was something about her that just drew people to her. Well, don't we know somebody like that? Do you not know God? Does he not draw you to him? So if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, wouldn't people be attracted to you? Wouldn't people gravitate to you? And that's what they were doing with Deborah because she had that prophetic voice that God had given her. So know who you are is the first no. The second no is know who you are not. Go to Judges 4-9. That's the NIV version. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will deliver Caesarea into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak, to Kadesh. Deborah was not limited by her gender. She was not limited by her race, her ethnicity, her socioeconomic, or her orientation. I'm talking to you. So although she knew who she was in terms of who God had created her to be and gifted her with, it's also important that you know who you're not. You can't be limited by other people's perception of you. So just because she was a woman, if anything, she used it as an advantage. She used it to set her apart. Whatever makes you different, it should set you apart. Why do you want to be like everybody else? You were created. I don't care how many personality types are alike. No two people are, are the same. No two handprints are the same. God intentionally made us unique because he needed you in the world, Don. You, Stephanie, he needs you. So if you show up acting like Matt, acting like Kat, he already got those positions taken. He needs to use you. You're not your mistakes. You're not lies. Maybe you do lie, but you're not a liar. Don't own that. You're not what happened to you. See, the devil used to lie to me because of my DNA. Because I didn't come from what you would consider good stock. I didn't come from what you consider a good family. You would be saying, can anything good come out of that? 
So for many years, when people would treat me like crap, maybe I thought I didn't deserve any better because I never saw any better. So most of my role models, and it's not to say that in my family, we didn't have accomplished people, but a lot of times, because of the poverty I lived in, because of the trauma that I had gone through, and some of the poor behaviors that I saw, even when I wanted better, I would have people treat me as if I didn't deserve better. And what happens over a period of time? You start to believe it, can you say it again, Ms. Diana? Lies. But if you hear it long enough, you will start to convince yourself that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And then heaven forbid, you're around people who treat you like that. Because they don't want to see you come up. They don't want to see you do better. So they will look at you like, who do you think you are? So they're going to have to just keep looking at me like, who do you think you are? Because I'm going to keep showing up. Yeah. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm in my latter days, if you all don't understand. So at 47, I'm really close to a half a century. So for me, my first half was planned for me, and I was figuring it out. By my second half, I'm starting to work it out. So during second half, I got some work to do for God. It ain't about me. Because he could have he took me out a long time ago. But if he saved me and he preserved me, I have to be here for a time such as this. So don't let anything limit you, not even your own thoughts. Let's go to, <clears throat> excuse me, know your audience. Know your audience. Judges 4 through 4 and 5, I'm still in the message translation. The people of Israel went to her, or went to her in matters of justice. Deborah sat under the palm tree of Deborah. She was open to the public, accessible to all, but unlike Deborah, most of us are not called to everybody. So let me do this because I'm human and I'm not perfect. I skipped number three. So can we go back for a moment? I wanna give you the third no. So the first no, know who you are. The second no, know who you are not. And the third no is know your assignment. So if you go to Judges, we're still in four and five, so that's correct. She held court under Deborah's palm tree, and Deborah had a gift of prophecy, and she could judge people according to the principles of the law. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason it's important to know your assignment is so that you can stay in your lane, so when you start attempting to do things you haven't been called to do, you won't be discouraged and quit and give up. When you know your assignment, pastor, Jennifer's a teacher, whatever you're doing, Miss Diana, you help people find jobs, don't you? But even outside of your professions, who are you? What is your assignment? Whatever that assignment is to develop others, to mentor others, to encourage others, whatever that assignment is, if you do that and you do it as if you were doing it unto the Lord, no need to compete. No need to be jealous of what someone else is doing. You just keep doing greater. Not best, because best then maybe we're competing, right? But if I'm just trying to do greater, because I know God has called me to greater, if I focus on my assignment and do that really well, I have no reason to compete with nobody else. So Deborah knew her assignment. She was a prophetess, she was a judge, 
And she also was the mother of Israel. But we're going to pull that in full circle at the end. So one church, listen to me as I speak to you. We did not leave because anything is wrong with you. We did not leave because anything is wrong with us. We left because God had a different calling for us. This will always be my family. I don't even say other family, our other church. This is my family. And I'm always, and so is Jamel, going to want to see you thrive. I'm always, always going to want to see you do well. I want to see this church packed out. I want to see people growing in spirit and in truth. And I want to see it grow numerically, Matt. I would want the best for you as if I would want it for myself. So one church is not just the responsibility of your leaders. They need you. They need your help, they need your support, they need your encouragement. Because they're in leadership doesn't mean they don't feel weak sometimes. Doesn't mean they don't feel discouraged sometimes. They got families too, and their families need them too. And I'm sure there's a lot of times they'll put you before them, and there may be some uncomfortable discussions at home. But what I'm saying to you is out of genuine love for them, do like the villagers did with, with Deborah. Be supportive, even if your role isn't the leadership role, in this ministry, still play your role, if that's okay with you. So now that you know who you are, who you're not, and you know your assignment, now know your audience. We're still in Judges 4, 4 through 5, in the message translation. The people of Israel went to her in matters of justice. Deborah sat under the palm tree of Deborah. She was open to the public, accessible to all. Unlike Deborah, most of us are not called to serve everybody, but I do believe that there is a population of people who needs one church, who needs to hear your voice, who needs your support, and who actually want the products that you have for sale, tangible or not. So know your audience. Why is it important to know your audience? Because you don't have to be relevant. Because you don't have to have large numbers. When you know your audience, Maybe it's single parents. Maybe it's adopted parents. Maybe it's other people in the ministry. Maybe it's at-risk youth. Maybe it's anybody on your work. I don't know. But I don't think you're called to everybody. That would be exhausting. And even for Deborah, she was called to be a judge for all of Israel. Is that not a lot? She would sit out under that palm tree every day. Can you imagine? And people would come up to her every day for advice and godly judgment. Because that's what God called her to do. And she did that faithfully. But she knew her audience. And so the fifth point, or the fifth no, know who you would need for the assignment or the journey. I don't know about you. I don't want to go it alone. I opened up with, I'm tired of pretending. If I need love, I might have to ask for it. If I need support, I might have to ask for it. If I need a mentor, I might have to ask for it. They're coming up here to support me, by the way. But what pride does is pride will make you believe that you can do it by yourself. Deborah could not do what she did without Barack, but this is how much respect Barack had for Deborah. Let's go to uh, Judges 4.5. 
4, 6 through 7, the message translation. You want to come read? Well, she's a little too young, I guess. <laughs> she sent for Barak, son of Umbanam, from Kadesh and Nephtali, and said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you, go to the Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take 10 companies of soldiers from Nephtali and Zubalon, and I'll take care of Jabin's army to the Kishon River with all of his chariots and his troops. And I'll make sure you win the battle. This is what Deborah said to Barak. You wanna know his response? Barak said, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So Deborah said, of course I'll go with you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisebria. So Deborah got ready and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together at Kadesh. 10 companies of men followed him and Deborah was with him. Recently, I read a quote that said, you can't compete with me, I want you to win too. What I would tell you as I get ready to wrap up is sometimes in life, when you need to know who's gonna be on this journey with you, maybe it's a partnership. Maybe you do need a Barack to your Deborah. Maybe Deborah needs a Barack. But then there's times that God has birthed something in you. He's planted a seed that wants to come to fruition. He's planted a seed that is going to manifest. And in order for that to happen, you're going to have to rise up like Deborah, the mother of Israel. And this is what happens. When we're in synergy and when we work together to complement each other, you want to know how the story ended? Because it's important to know the journey. But what's the purpose? Well, at the end of that victory, it was peace for 40 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I could use some peace in my life. I could use a world that's a lot more accepting. I could use a, wor a world that's a lot more compassionate. I could use a world that is a lot more kind. I like nice people unapologetically. And I'm sorry for whatever you've gone through. I'm sorry for whoever hurt you. But don't take that out on anybody else because God is a healer and he can heal you. And so hurting people hurt people, right? So when we hurt, we bleed and we leak and we hurt others. But no, no, no. God called us into ministry together. We are the body of Christ. So when I think about Deborah, and she said the villagers, they wasn't even doing anything. They had became weak and fat and lazy. But we got an army, we got a battle going on right now, man. It's a war going on. They want our kids. They want our mind. They want our position. They don't want our God. Are you all okay with that? No, no, no. So all messages to the world doesn't come through the form of this Bible. Sometimes you're the only Bible people are gonna read. For some people as a Christian, I'm too liberal because I love everybody. 
For some people, maybe my views aren't strong enough because I'm compassionate and I'm forgiving and because God is just and he forgives me, I forgive you. And some people have a problem with that. But what I would tell you is that if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you can't have hatred. You can't hate on other people. You can't feel less than because if God loves you, who are you not to love yourself? So I'm just pleading with you today that you do matter. You may not be relevant. I don't care. Relevant, you got large numbers, you got a lot of applause, Matt. People love you, but it doesn't really have substance. So what I leave with you today is the title of my message. You're not relevant, but you do matter.